Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. And we're your hosts. I'm Greg Knott. I'm Bill Hostler. I'm Darren Laners. And I'm Todd Creason. This week on the Meet, Act, and Part podcast, I, I thought we'd have a conversation about this interesting world we're living in with the uh, pandemic. And the main question is, what kinds of things can we do from home that will have a positive influence on the world? So I thought I'd just start and go around the group and see if, if they had ideas on how we can stay busy during this time when we're spending so much time at home. Darren, do you have any ideas about that? Masonically, I've been trying to keep in touch with everybody in, in St. Joe Lodge, at least. I know you've done a pretty good job, Todd, with Ogden. And then since we have so many dual members between Ogden and Homer, I'm not sure what Hoop has done. I have talked to my intender, Tyler, and we checked on him. I've checked on various members of, as I said, St. Joe Lodge did call the widows when this first started up uh, to check in on them. Other than that, trying to study ritual so I don't forget and do some research for writing purposes. Anybody have any ideas about activities that we could do from home that would impact our communities? Well, one thing, Darren and I, I think we were talking early on with Kurt Molding, who's our St. Joe secretary, right when we went into this lockdown, about our food bank in St. Joe. That's kind of one of our pet projects. And so I started a GoFundMe on Facebook, not knowing uh, what we could get. We ended up raising $1,800, which for our little food bank is a lot. So, and very little of that was of me. We had some people really gave some pretty good sizable donations, and that'll feed quite a few families for, you know, this interim period of time because the food bank in St. Joe or food pantries, we call it, hasn't had the capacity to have in-person visitors. So our local IGA, which is a grocery store, sets up vouchers uh, there where the participants can go in and shop and probably for a $50 voucher or whatever it is, they can use that as they check out. So it's still a, it's a great community service. And then our lodge gave a donation and then even better was the Grand Lodge of Illinois, which has a Masonic outreach program, also donated a sizable amount. So I think between all those efforts, it was almost $3,000, which in a town of 4,000 people is a pretty good amount. So I felt good about that. I think Darren has done a great job of talking to all of us, and we've done a lot of emailing back and forth about some stuff. And in some ways, I feel like I've had more contact with some people than I have before we got into this phase. I think you'd said earlier, and I, I agree with you, I've gotten more personal phone calls than I have uh, ever, I think, just in the last uh, month or, or so. It's a great thing. Bill, what are you doing out in your neck of the woods? The most things we've been doing is we've been keeping track with each other. We've been talking. We have various forms of communications throughout throughout the Internet and with the telephone trees and that. And we're making sure that some of our elderly members and their widows and even some of the people who are no longer members are still, they're all right, that they don't need anything. And been putting on Masonic Education Nights and what we call meetups, check-ins every Tuesday night. The nights that we would normally get together at the lodge, we're getting together and they're either going to just talk or have Masonic education or just making sure everyone's all right. We get together via Zoom. I guess we've even done a webinar meeting and it turned out to be pretty popular. 
I think that's something that may even happen after the pandemic is over because it just seems like it's really taken off. But we, we haven't really done anything financially or anything, but it's mostly just making sure everyone is taken care of. What kind of lessons do you think our fraternity is learning? Think anything's going to come out of this or have anything change in our fraternity uh, going forward? It seems like to me we quickly sorted through what matters. Sometimes our meetings are infamous for not being very exciting, but in this case, we have called people, called our brothers to see how they're doing. The education efforts I've seen, they've ramped up all over the country. I've been in uh, a couple Royal Arch chapter educational meetings in Texas. I saw it on Facebook and it was fun. So I, I got it and they actually verified that I was a, a current member of a Royal Arts chapter. So to me, we've sorted through some of the things that are maybe a higher priority than others. We laugh all the time about reading minutes and all that. And while that's, it's an important part of business, I'm sure that's not why anybody joined the lodge. I think we're seeing firsthand about caring for one another. And, and that's why I joined. I was looking at my calendar and I noticed how many of the uh, events that we have that involve fundraising. And sometimes I wondered over this last few weeks if maybe that's the best use of our time. Some of that doesn't take away from our main goals as Masons. What do you think, Bill? I really think that sometimes that we get lost in the fundraising. It just, sometimes I think, you know, we worry too much about fundraising. We don't worry more about the educational part, the reason that we did become Freemasons, and that's just to help each other. And sometimes it does require monetary funds, but just to make sure the other people are taken care of, that they don't just need someone to listen to them or just to hold their hand or just to listen to them and make sure they can get through a day. You know, I think that's sometimes just as important as monetary funds. There's a lot of different things that we could do besides just that. And I, and I think, we, you know, and it's all great. But it's like they always say about the government, they just go out and they tend to throw money at things. And maybe we could get beyond that. The charity is a illustration of what we do in my mind, but it's not all that we do. It's an, it's more of an outcome. And sometimes it's, as we've talked in other episodes, it's just easier to write the check and make you, yourself feel better. But I think they can go hand in hand. And that's what I'm seeing now is I think actually more people are more thankful that they've gotten a phone call or an email. Heck, the Northern Masonic jurisdiction sent out a, a card and a letter to everybody. That to me is just invaluable. That That's what this fraternity really stands for, is that caring for one another. And then you put the education on top of it. It's the package that we're, we're supposed to have been doing all along. This right now has showed us it's Freemasonry in its truest, most purest form is what we've been practicing for the last two months. And we just worry about each other. We are not worried about trying to re recruit new members. We're not worried about running them through so that they can become officers or committee members. We're just, we're taking care of those of us who we have and that we're taking care of the people we took our obligation that we would always look after. And sadly, it took a, you know, a global pandemic to get us there, but I'm really happy that we found it again. I'd never thought of it that way. That was, that's a very interesting way to look at it. For once, we're just not into the degree grind that we so often get into the cycle of that. That's all been put on hold. And all of a sudden we've recalibrated and, and are looking at what matters. And Todd, what do you see for that way? What I'm saying is just over the last few weeks, the dependence on technology has gone up so much. These Zoom meetings that we've all been taking part in and all these different platforms we've been using has shown what we can accomplish online. And I think it lends very well to Masonic education. The possibilities for doing coursework online for Masonic education, I think, is 
something that'd be interesting to look into. But like Bill was saying, I mean, we've come back to our most basic roots, which is about the brotherhood first, checking up on each other and keeping track of where everybody's at and and communicating back and forth. And I think a, a lot of what attracted us to Freemasonry to begin with was those friendships and that that idea of personal growth and development have come back to the forefront and some of those other things have, have dropped away. I think it'll be interesting to see if this carries on, if, if these lessons go forward and maybe change where we put our emphasis going forward. I, I personally think that it will. I mean, even at the university where I, where Todd and I work and Darren as well, we've had a lot of discussions about what will we look like in the fall. And it's funny, none of us are quite sure, but we're all sure that it won't be what it was six weeks ago and that there'll be new ways to do things, new ways to think about things, new considerations. Todd, I think you're exactly right. I think the fraternity, in my personal view, has had a good fork in the road with this. And there's a lot of younger people, and I say younger being anybody that frankly is using the technology, is going to push forward and say, well, some of these meetings, not the stated meetings, not the degree work, but some of these things can simply be done right here online. One good example I saw from this past weekend or so, the Grand Lodge of Illinois held their secretary's training on Zoom. and there was some comments I saw that the attendance may have actually went up. That's just, a, to me, a perfect example of how we use the technology in one hand, but yet when we get back in the swing of the state of meetings and degree work, they can complement each other. One doesn't replace the other, but I think you can sort through and figure out maybe you don't need to drive two hours you know, each way to a secretary's meeting when all you got to do is go pop online save the travel time, and, and probably increase your attendance. And my bet is also, I don't have any way to, to get the data, but I bet older members that weren't using technology a few weeks ago or had never used Zoom or other online meeting platforms, they have figured out how to do it because of either they just figured it out or they had a, a son or a daughter or a grandchild that helped them do it. And so the acceptance rate is greatly accelerated from where we were just a few weeks back. So I I think it's all very positive. So I I think it's all very positive. I do too. I think it's positive because I think a lot of these meetings going forward, people are going to realize, like you said, they're able to do online. The difficulty that we have in our fraternity, at least in the area that three of the four of us are in, at least in this area, is there's so many different events to go to. And we have trouble getting people to be able to attend all the events. If you could take a lot of those events off the table and do them electronically, people could do them from home, I think you'd find that it's going to be easier to get people at Gree work. People are going to be more willing to go to your regularly stated meetings. People are going to be more willing to go to your past master's dinner. You know, I think if we could help ourselves with the technology and help clear some of our calendars of having to get out on the road for an hour drive in the evening, I think that's a very positive thing. Do you guys feel refreshed in some ways? I mean, I've never had so much free time since I was probably in fourth or fifth grade. And then I got into Boy Scouts and athletics and then other things in college and all the way till present day. For me, it's been kind of mind clearing. And I think touching back on where we were talking a little bit earlier, it's helped me prioritize in many ways what matters and what doesn't. And I've been thinking about what's it going to be like for me when I go back to 
in-person meetings. And I'm thinking just as Todd, as you were alluding to, I'm going to sort through and say, I'm not going to that in person. I'm just not going to go to something every single time out of need or obligation if it could be done in another way. I think I've started to help prioritize more clearly what matters, uh, not only in the fraternity, but at work and at home and other places. How about you, Bill? I'm in kind of a unique position. Due to my health and my vision, this is every day for me. What you guys are encountering right now is what I've been doing for years because I can't work and I can't drive. So I'm pretty much home every day by myself anyway. Just like I was telling you guys before, I'm just here pretty much to you know make sure the dog gets its demands at all times. I had been doing a lot of times with writing. You know, I help promote the Midnight Freemasons a lot whether they want me, want me to or not. I do promote other things, and I'm a webmaster for a couple of different Masonic groups. So I tend to keep busy, but I'm pretty much going to be the same person as I walked up. And now, now that I have this new machine, it's a giant magnifier, so I can actually take a physical printed book and actually read it again, which is something that for the last four years, five years, I haven't been able to do because of the glaucoma, the cataracts, the retinopathy. I haven't been able to actually sit down and read a menu in a restaurant. So this is all going to be brand new to me. So I'm going to, I've got like all these books that I want to keep up and start reading again and finish like my master craftsman's course from the Scottish Rite. So I've got like all these things that I can do. And so now it's going to like be a whole new upright level step for me. I'm just going to take this time now, since it's this game changer, to actually try to better myself. I've always encountered myself the last couple of years, I don't know how many of you guys have ever watched that old Twilight Zone movie where Burgess Meredith had survived a nuclear holocaust, and he was a bookworm, and he had picked up all these books he was going to read, and then right at the end, he was going to start reading, and he broke his glasses and couldn't see them. That's the way I felt all this time, and now I actually can see them, and so it's going to be a great thing, and I am just excited as all get out. I'm just looking at it to really, hopefully, this will take time to sharpen my ashler. It's kind of the best way I guess I can put it. So what kinds of positives are you seeing coming out of this? I mean, I'm, I'm seeing some stuff happening right now that I think pretty positive. Anybody else noticing anything like that? To give you a good example, the appreciation that we're showing people who are working, uh, cashiers and gas stations, cashiers and grocery stores, people who work at Walmart, a new appreciation for our uh, first responders, fire and police, ambulance drivers, uh, people in the medical field. It's been a long time since people have shown this level of appreciation for one another, and I, I think that's a big positive. Anybody seen anything else like that they'd like to share? I think your observation is spot on. Sometimes I don't think about the, the kids checking me out at the IGA grocery store, but there they are on the front lines at 17, 18, 19, and without them and the others in those stores, our food supply would not be in place. And And so we take so much for granted and I think that's part of the stress in society we're seeing with the shutdowns. Uh, we do take so much for granted, but it quickly helps you prioritize, again, some of those folks that maybe are sightless in terms that we don't pay attention to them, but but now we are. When I was in my misbegotten youth, when I was a truck driver, the truck drivers always have felt rather unappreciated because, you know, they're kind of in the background. People make fun of them on television and that. And they always said, you know, if we stopped doing things, what would happen to this country? This country would stop. They'd say, you know, if we quit delivering or if something would happen where we couldn't make our deliveries, there'd be no way that, you know, we'd be out of food in a couple of days. We wouldn't have anything. And, you know, it's kind of came to fruition here in the last 
few weeks. And I was thinking about that. It's like, you know what? Now people are actually seeing what we had said all those decades ago. The guys that actually spent and drive all night through rain, sleet, snow, tired, their bodies hurting from after loading the truck and getting the food to them. Or even like Greg, like, you know, the farmers are actually out there busting their butts to you grow the food. The people that actually are working hard to provide this stuff for the folks, they just go to the grocery store and pick it up. They're actually, people are actually realizing, hey, you know, this stuff isn't grown at Walmart. You know, this actually is people working hard to make sure that they have these things. What do you think, Darren? I'm hoping that with this newfound appreciation and the next time there's a discussion about raising minimum wage or giving people that are clerks or cashiers or waitresses or waiters a living wage. And uh, I'm hoping that this, this situation with everybody seeing that, as Greg said, uh, if not for these people, a lot of our infrastructure would collapse. So my hope is that out of this, we'll have some positivity. Yeah, I think a couple other groups that uh, have been going overtime also is our teachers, putting a lot of these classes online, making all those adjustments so quickly. And i got to tell you, I certainly miss my barber, and I think a lot of people feel that way. I did till yesterday. I, I finally gave in. I said, told Brooke, my wife, I said, cut it off. I can't take it anymore. So we went outside, and I bought $20 clippers at Dollar General, and off it went. So <laughs> I was like, well, you know, she goes, do you care about the style? Nope. I just care that it's short. So take it off. And so I miss my barber, but now I'll still miss him, but maybe not for a little bit longer yet. <laughs> If it goes much longer, I may put Donna mask and gloves and come on over there and let her do mine, too. It's <laughs> starting to look like a combination between Doc uh, Brown on uh, Back to the Future and Beethoven at this point. Back to Darren's point here a little bit. Uh, what's been amazing to me with uh, sports being canceled or postponed, to me, it again, it brings a lot of clarity to the people that really matter in society. It's not the multi-million dollar sports star or the politicians or whatever. Again, I think it's helped a lot of people sort through what matters and who matters. And it's not that everybody doesn't matter, but in the American society, we idolize sports figures and, and those with a lot of notoriety and things. But at the end of the day, they're not the ones bagging your groceries or making sure you can still get gasoline or whatever. And so that's just something I've noticed as well. Just to, to follow up on that, part of this also we've seen how boiled or entitled some of the upper echelon is. I hope that a lot of these folks are using their celebrity, using their wealth and helping to contribute to causes that are supporting the, the front line. And I know a lot of them have. As a positive example, I don't know if you guys uh, know who John Krasinski is. Uh, he was on The Office. He currently plays Jack Ryan on the Amazon series. He's been doing a web series every weekend called Some Good News. And what he's been doing basically is just that. He is in his house and he is giving a newscast of nothing but good news. One episode, he had a girl who was a giant Hamilton fan and she was supposed to go see Hamilton. And uh, somehow he found out about this. And he basically got the entire original cast of Hamilton on the webcam, and they sang Alexander Hamilton 
he hosted a prom for the seniors that couldn't now attend prom because of this and got some guest stars like the Jonas Brothers, Billie Eilish, Rain Wilson, who played Dwight on The Office, on there. So he's been using his celebrity for good and, and I think giving back to people. He had an episode where he had members of a COVID unit in Boston, because he's from Boston. They were able to get onto Fenway Park and play a little uh, baseball, uh, you know, obviously socially distancing and all that. Uh, there is positive coming out of this. Just as I said, for an example, I think that what John's doing is pretty awesome. We spend so much time promoting the famous people who've been members of our fraternity over history. And, and while they're certainly important and a lot of made good contributions to the fraternity, again, you kind of bring it back to the rank and file people that come to lodge every month or week those are the people that are keeping the craft going and again it's not uh, the 14 presidents or whoever else has been famous it's the guy that the lodge secretary that shows up every meeting or the ritualist who will travel from lodge to lodge and you'll never know their name but yet they're that blue-collar worker within the lodge that keeps our lights on. Then I think even within the craft, we, we refocus a little bit and highlight, not necessarily the lodge secretary, because I wouldn't want to give Todd Creason too much credit, though, but those that are kind of doing the work gives me another really a, appreciation for all that they're doing. One little bit of good news I can let you guys know is that I want everybody to know that not everybody in southern Oklahoma owns tigers and we don't all have um, tattoos or own husbands or anything, too. Just I thought I'd throw that out there for you guys who've watched Tiger King anyway. It's good to know you're making good use of your time out there, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've seen that come up on Netflix and I it's the number one show right now on there and I I just can't bring myself to watch it maybe if this thing keeps going on for weeks or months, I may run out of other things to watch, and maybe I will, but I just haven't been able to do it yet. So we've talked about this a few weeks ago briefly, but what I wanted to get your opinion on is what do you think the lasting after effects of this pandemic are gonna, is going to be? What do you think, Darren? It's funny you ask that question, Todd. I wrote an article in response to an email I got from a local mason. His name's uh, Jim Lacua or Lacuda. Sorry, Jim, if I'm butchering your name and you're, when you listen to this, uh, Jim basically had asked some questions similar to that. One of the questions I remember was, how can I stay connected as a Mason during this? And then basically, what effect is this going to have on the craft? And I said that for the, the latter question that I think that it's maybe too soon to know exactly what the impact of this is going to have on the craft. I did say I do know one thing, you know, the craft will survive, may have to evolve a bit, but I pointed out that we've been around not only the 303 years in, in June, we had the anniversary of the first Grand Lodge forming in England, but prior to that, going back uh, hundreds of years from that point, there are various other things, you know, showing that the craft is really, truly pretty ancient. Uh, if we've been around, obviously, during that time, the craft has had to evolve to get to the point where the four lodges came together in, in London and then formed the first Grand Lodge of England. And then from that point, Freemasonry spread through the British colonies and spread to America, spread to Canada, spread to Australia, New Zealand. And then you had 
the other powers, France spreading Freemasonry or their form of Freemasonry to their colony, so on and so forth. So I think that we're going to see that we'll survive. We may have to evolve somewhat. There may be a point where when we first come out of this that we're going to have to wear masks and, and lodge and we're going to have to try to social distance as much as possible. That might just be how we do business until there's a vaccine developed for this. So I think that there will be a lot of changes for the way that we perform ritual, we do the way we perform floor work. But at the end of the day, I think that we'll come out of it stronger. What do you think, Greg? I agree with what Darren said in terms of the lodge. I think society, we go through these periodic, uh, let me call them reconciliations every 20 years. You think about it after, at least in our lifetimes or in our grandparents' lifetimes, Pearl Harbor, the advent of World War II and all the things that happened there. And then that had a big run, I would argue, into the early 60s, the Vietnam era and all the protests there. And then that changed society. And you had a big push into probably even into through the 70s, early 80s, the fall of communism. And, you know, the world changed. The military changed. We were downsizing and things like that. Come up to 9-11 and all the things that happened after 9-11 in terms of security, the recession of 08, and now the pandemic of 2020, all those things I mentioned, I think, had society take a, a turn, some better, some worse. And so I think Darren mentioned this earlier that we just don't know yet how all of this will affect us, but it, it has no doubt that it will. And so I guess what I hope it doesn't do is break down the personal contact and interaction that we as humans are wired to have. You know, one of the the reasons I do like going to lodge meetings is getting to see people and talk to them. And I have some concerns that we could become more isolated. We were on that track anyway with the advent of social media and and now every business has that's open has figured out how to either do delivery or curb service. Well, I had to buy a printer the other day. So I logged into Best Buy. I bought it. My daughter was in Champaign. And they brought it to her. She didn't even have to go to the store. And so I worry somewhat about us losing interactions at an accelerated rate. I hope I'm wrong. We've seen that through uh, church attendance and lodge attendance and, and other things that were on the decline anyway. So I hope this doesn't accelerate it. On the other hand, I do see people caring for one another for a long period of time. All these events, they fade with memory over time. But I could see a, an extended period of time where people kind of figured out what matters and are still calling one another and talking to one another. Here's one, here's one good sign that I saw and read recently. For me, I have been a newspaper junkie my entire life. When I lived on the farm, well... We we never had cable. I listened to the AM radio at night, WLS out of Chicago to get the news, and the newspaper would come. And so I have always been a voracious newspaper reader. Newspaper readership, just like many other things, has fallen dramatically. But in the last six weeks, in the newspapers are seeing this resurgence of readership. Now, unfortunately for them, they're seeing a decline in, in advertising, but that's another. So all of a sudden, I'm thinking, well, okay, people are reading again. And it's not just Facebook and Twitter and, and all the nonsense that you see going on out there. I'm hoping they're spending, again, that quality time looking at, at what matters. I think we'll be slow to recover. And I don't mean maybe economically, 
But I think it's going to take a while for all of us to have that comfort zone again to shake hands, go to a, a, a University of Illinois football game with a large attendance, churches to have their big meetings again. I think it's going to take us a while to get back to where we were, but I don't think we'll ever be there entirely. And I, and I don't know that it's all negative. I just think, as Darren said, we're so early into this, we're not going to know. And a lot of these things we've talked about in terms of distance education and meetings and things like that, I think are going to be, they're going to stay with us, but we'll learn how to adapt and use them in new ways. For years, I've been hearing people lament, well, millennials don't like eating out. So people are getting their food delivered or millennials don't like this. So this group is dying and this is dying. And so they said, we're pretty much well on our way anyway. Well, this has kind of forced the issue. And I think in a lot of ways, this has kind of shown people the way that the future would be if these quote unquote millennials got their way. And I don't think a lot of people like it, including these quote unquote millennials, because you see on social media, everybody's upset. And I don't think that this social distancing, people really don't care for it because they're all lamenting that they can't go out. They can't see people. They can't touch people. And so I'm really hoping that this brings back people to go out and socially interact. I mean, once it's safe to absolutely do so, you might see people want to go back to going to lodge and they might want to go out and be out among people again. They might not rely so much on social media as much as they have been. I mean, let's face it. They say that when the person gets a job in a candy factory, the first couple of weeks, they let them eat as much candy as they want to have because then after that, they'll be so sick that they won't even want to touch it. Well, here they've had, what, two, three months of nothing but social media and staring at television. Everyone's sick of it. They want to get out. They want to be outside. They want to be with people. They want to do things. It may not be forever, but People might want to interact. And as for Freemasonry, if you look through the ages, at least in the Grand Lodge period that we're in, Freemasonry has never not only survived all those problems, areas, wars, pestilence, they've thrived through the Civil War, Revolutionary War, World War II, even World War One, where they had a lot of problems because of the separation of the jurisdictions. We've not only survived, but we've thrived and we, we gained membership. We became stronger. So I cannot see why this would, would really possibly even make it worse for us. I think it's actually, if you look at everything that we're doing, like we said earlier, this is, we've been practicing pure pre-masonry and I can't see where it can't do anything but help us. And even if we do go back to trying to start the, the green mills again, I think there's going to be a large group of people going to say, hey, so I'm going to talk to my brother and make sure that this widow over here has food and her lights are still on. Or I'm going to make sure that the people at the Masonic home, who I used to got to know when I was talking to them on the phone, that they're okay and they have somebody to talk to. Maybe this is way of the grand architect's way of showing us, hey, there's something bigger than ourselves and that we needed to be checked and to have a little time to find out, you know, like a time, like a time out to say, hey, maybe there's something bigger than you and you need to really reassess your life and to think about others and think about the way you treat people. That's just my thought. Darren? I personally think we're going to see an increase in membership. My logic being that, as Bill mentioned, there's been this lack of social interaction and a lot of guys are with their families. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think coming out of this, we have an opportunity, Freemasonry has an opportunity to reach out to these folks and say, hey, we've got a place to, to quote, 
cheers where everybody knows your name. Yeah, Darren, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I don't think it's just Freemasonry is going to see, uh, membership increases. I think, I think a lot of groups are going to see membership increases. I've been watching a lot of this talk about the church groups and they're, they're broadcasting their Sunday services and a lot of the churches, even in our area right here, are finding out that there's more people watching their services online that than generally attend in person. I think when we get done here, people are going to realize how they've been spending their time. They're going to realize the things that they really, really miss. And I think a, a lot of groups are going to uh, see tremendous improvements in the people who are active in their groups. Yeah, I agree with you. And we'll learn how to use technology to complement the in-person experience. Because for me, it can't just be online. You got to be able to interact and, and gain those friendships and that trust with brothers and other people that you meet through uh, walks of life. So I think it'll be extremely fascinating to see what happens in the next six months and a year. And probably our personal challenge to the four of us is I think every so many episodes, we should take a little bit of time and reflect what are we seeing? What are we experiencing? And because part of it, I think it helps you understand history to talk about it as you go. And then with time, do that reflection backwards to see what did go on. I know a lot of people have struggled with this. There's a lot of people in our society that are in economically hard times, and we sure need to reach out to them. Well, it's been an excellent conversation. Do any of the brethren around the podcast have anything further to offer for the good of the podcast? (laughs) Proceed to close. Let me just close by thanking the three of you for being the the candor. Uh, I've had a great time with this podcast as we've evolved it. We've talked about a lot of things, and uh, when we first started, I don't think we were quite sure where we were going, but it seems to be evolving. We've had some great guests. I think what we do tonight, this reflection, is important. And the four of us have lots as much of experience as anybody we're ever going to have on here. I just appreciate the wide variety of views the four of us bring. And uh, I hope our listeners do, too. Seeing no other business, and because you've all missed Lodge meetings, we will gavel this podcast to a close. So, till next time, we hope you join us again for another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part.